life. I am Kim. And I am Steve. And on the phone with us from beautiful sunny Florida is our favorite ufologist, Jay Hammond, who's... Hi. It's it's not very sunny today, though. Oh, well, it's okay. Jay's song was what you heard on the intro. It is called The Ballad of Mac Brazil by his group, Strange Creatures, and it's on The Estimate of the Situation, which is a really good album. Hey, Jay, before we go any further, if someone wanted to download your song and listen to the whole song, where can they go? Any of the digital platforms where they get their uh, digital entertainment, Amazon, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, it's on everything, Spotify, it's on everything. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. We've listened to the whole thing. Multiple times. I listen to it all the time. we listen to it all the time. So tonight's topic... Is, October is going to be UFOs, Woo! and usually sometimes we, we talk a little bit about what we did during the week, but tonight's topic might run a little bit over an hour. We may have to do a, uh, a, a second episode on this. Yeah, nobody really cares what we do any, anyway, so we're going to jump right into uh, ufology and aliens and UFO lore. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Now, there are going to be a couple stories, you know, about aliens and stuff like that, but it, the, the topic tonight is not really going to be about UFO stories because if you want to watch that, you can turn on the TV. So we're going to try to go a little bit more in-depth into, like, the research and the, the different projects and the studies of what's been happening with UFOs. And Jay is by far our subject matter expert when it comes to UFOs. Jay's like an alien genius. Yeah. So Yeah, I've been I've been studying and researching it for a very, very long time. Yeah. My my favorite topic. I an hour of my life may not be enough time. You <laughs> might have to give me about seven or eight of your hours. Yeah. <laughs> and we can do that. Jay's devoted you've devoted to like multiple years to this. Yeah. So needless yeah, to well, say and, and I'm excited to be able to talk about it. I'm not usually allowed to, so <laughs> <laughs> people kinda roll their eyes. Well, Jay, we have listeners in uh, as far as away as Australia, Spain, Spain, Germany, mm-hmm. Ireland, mm-hmm. Canada, Maine, and all the way to the West Coast, Florida. Yeah, and Florida, <laughs> and up to Michigan. Very so, cool. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we are Hello, famous, we are famous podcasters, Jay. right? Yeah. yeah, you're like the Norge, next Giorgio Sukolos, awesome. but yeah. cooler. So, so Jay, <laughs> needless to, to say. Needless to say, you are a believer. You believe that alien life exists, right? 100%. Okay. Do you have a quick second to say why you believe that? Well, I, you know, the, the breadth of the universe, for, for one. I mean, and, and now that we're, we're doing all these things, whether discovering all these exoplanets and physics that, you know, we, we have ways of getting there where we never used to before, you know, that used to always be a problem was, yeah, but how are they getting there? That's no longer an issue. Um, the, the, well, we're the only planet with life. That's no longer an issue. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that they're, they're out there. And I believe from researching this for two decades plus, that there is a plethora of evidence that says not only are they out there, but they've been here before, and they've been coming here for a very, very long time. Why? Um, why? Why do I think they're coming here? They, I'm not sure. Um, there's there's a lot of theories about that, but I think the one that holds the most weight with me, it's the, the most believable 
believable for me would be that they are um, they're, they're studying us. They, they want to know what's going on with us. They might have even had something to do with our development and evolution, and we might be some kind of little experiment for them or pet, but um, one of the things that I think that they're really keeping their eye on is our um, capability of destroying ourselves. It seems like they have a big interest in our nuclear capabilities. So, But why were they here 10,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago? I don't know. Maybe they had something to do with us being here to begin with. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, do you um, believe, like I know there are some people that believe that um, we are descendants of an alien race. Do you ascribe to that theory or do you think that that's, um, or part of that theory? Yeah, I mean, I, why not? You know, why, why, why couldn't that be the case? Um, why couldn't somebody have come here? This planet's five billion years old. So why couldn't somebody have come here a long time ago and, you know, found the life that they did here and started messing around and doing their own experiments and studies? We may be that genetic mutation. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, in, in my research, which certainly is in-depth as yours, I kind of picked up that a lot of sightings started with... Um, Right after the end of World War II, and to me, that's kind of when, you know, we started getting into rockets and jets and just the way we did things. And like, as you said, the nuclear weapons became available. And so, I mean, the first well-known UFO sighting occurred, from what I see, in 1947, a guy named Kenneth Arnold. And this was the one around Mount Rainier, Washington. He came to see a group. I think he said it was nine high-speed objects near Mount Rainier. While he was out yeah, flying, nine small shiny plane. UFOs. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Do you know why we call them UFOs, Jay? Mm. Or flying saucers? I'm gonna put you on the spot on that one. Because the next day, the newspapers uh, quoted him as saying, he said it looked like saucers skipping on the water. Well, the quote the next day in the newspaper right. said mistakenly the objects were saucer shaped, so they thought they said saucer shaped, and ever since. We've called them flying saucers. And, I mean, we can't go much further. And Roswell has been so overdone. We're not going to talk about Roswell and all that stuff, unless you, unless you want to bring it up. But uh, 14 June no. 1947. So that's, you know, that's when things kind of started going on here big time. And maybe just because of the news, radio, TV, maybe that's part of why it, it became so popular in our culture today you think so maybe or i yeah and i do want to you know not to get into us but i don't want to because like you said it has been overdone and there's other very important cases that we could spend our time on but i do want to point out that there were certain departments created right after roswell cia september 18th 1947 the air force september 18th 1947 and of course there's also majestic 12 which was um allegedly began by uh truman in 1947 all came right after Roswell and then the NSA in 52 a little bit later, but um, Roswell happened and then a lot of other things started happening, interestingly enough. Yeah. Do you it know, seemed to get somebody's attention. Do you know anything, around 1948, the U.S. Air Force began an investigation called uh, Project Sign. Do you know anything about Project Sign? Yeah, so after Roswell and Kenneth Arnold, um, they, uh, they started what would eventually evolve into Project Blue Book, and it started with Sign, 
And then in 49, that became Grudge. And then in 52, it became Project Blue Book. And that happened right after the uh, famous UFOs over D.C., which you can Google and look at the um, real images of a whole bunch of discs flying over the Capitol. And then that's when um, Blue Book took over the Grudge and Sign projects. Yeah. I think a lot of people at that time were thinking that it possibly could have been some very sophisticated Soviet aircraft. That that was one of the theories that w- what was happening that the Soviets had these. I mean, we had the space race that was kind of starting well, with Sputnik and and that's what they blamed Roswell on. They said that those weather balloons that were yeah. found in the desert yeah, were yeah. weather balloons that were being used to spy on the Soviets. Yeah. So all these projects, right. signed <sighs> and grudged, then they like you said they evolved into uh, Project Blue Book, which was the longest investigation that we've had, isn't it? Project Blue Book? Um, I, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, that they were admitted to, but uh, now they've got this thing that they just came out with. Um, I'm trying to get into it at some point. A tip. Um, I'm not sure if that how long that was going on. They said it stopped, but something tells me it's still there. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too that so many other like developed countries have released. Uh, basically, like admitted to UFO sightings in oh, yeah. in their country, and we're like the last one that is admitting that yes. we're studying all of this. So, Jake, correct- and not only that, but they're, they're- go ahead. Sorry, no, no, go ahead. I'm, I was going to say, correct me anywhere I'm wrong on my research here, but from what I've learned is that the the stated goal of Project Blue Book was to determine if there was a threat to national security and to scientifically yes. analyze any UFO-related data. Is that pretty much what you know it to be? That's what they said, but they, in their science analysis of the data, they, they withheld some of the most important cases, um, and, and they weren't honest about it. And that's, that's been the biggest you know, the problem with this whole thing. is they, they come out and they say, yeah, we're studying it. Yeah, we've got these these um, projects that we're studying this stuff, but they're not being honest about what they're finding. They're holding, they're withholding the most important data, and they're just not being honest with, with the people. And that's what I was going to say before when Kim was saying about all these other countries that are coming out with their, their uh, UFO studies. Um, France had a, a, a very big study. They called it the Cometa Report. Maybe maybe Cometa. I'm not sure, but it's C-O-M-E-T-A. Well, Kim, and um, I, I downloaded, I'm sorry? Kim speaks French. What is it, Kim? I that doesn't sound French. To me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> tomato, tomato. It may, but yeah. But so anyway, it's a, I don't know, it's a over hundred page report, and it's it's their like their um, head of what would be in that, our NASA. It's like people, you know, high ranking officials that that got together and studied all of these reports, all these UFO stories, and basically they came out by with the the summary was we don't know what it is, it's real. Um, the extraterrestrial hypothesis is, is our best guess. And USA, why don't you get on the ball here and join us and the other countries, come, you know, bringing our minds and trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. And it was just, it's just been ignored by the United States for so long, or so they say that it is. But it's, I, I, they don't want us to know something for some reason. And that's kind of scary. So, okay. you know, what if, what if they're not telling a very, very important reason? Let me posit this. So if the goal of Project Blue Book actually was to determine if it was a credible threat, if Project Blue Book Mm -hmm. found that 
extraterrestrials are, are, as you say, just monitoring us and are no credible threat to us, then could that be the reason why we, why they're not releasing information or getting on board with everybody else? So you're saying they just don't, they don't see it that it's reason enough to, to panic people. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and that and that could be, but part of me at this point, I'm starting to wonder. You know, what if this, what if the truth of the whole thing is so bizarre, it's so weird and so bizarre that they just don't want to turn everybody upside down. I mean, it would be a paradigm shift to begin with if they came out and said they're aliens. But what if it's something even weirder than that? What if it's like interdimensional or extra dimensional? Some some something that we can't even wrap our brains around. That they're like, look. We we've got to keep this from from people as long as we can. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It, the whole thing is. I'm biting my tongue out there. so hard right now because we have a reality oh. TV star for a president. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but no, I see yeah. what you're saying. No, I agree that it. it we ju- you're right. We just don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've I've said a lot of times when people say you know that can't happen. You know, if we look back 30, 40 years ago, we didn't know that DNA existed. And yeah. we, we don't know what we don't know right now. And so I think that, you know what? Project Blue Book was headquartered right here at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I think I could drive over there and maybe get a copy of that book, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just going to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. No problem. Probably check <laughs> but, it out from Base Library. Well, there's been a lot of things. There's been a lot of things going on over there across the street from you guys at that right, Pat. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, from from 52 to 69, Project Blue Book is reported now, compiled more than 12,000 sightings or different events. They were classified as, um, number one, identified with a known astronomical, atmospheric, or artificial human cause phenomena. So basically, they were explained through terms that we could understand or something like that. And then, two, they were unidentified. Now, from my stats, what I was able to dig up, unidentified uh, accounts make up approximately 6% of the total sightings of uh, Project Blue Book. Does that kind of bounce off what you know? So the Air Force... Um, incorrectly claimed that only three percent of the cases of the case studies were unknowns, and there were actually twenty-two percent. So I'm Whoa. not sure if that falls in the line with what you're, you're. Yeah. So, and that's special. Uh, that's Blue Book Special Report Number Fourteen. Okay. And that's the kind of stuff that that um, Stanton Friedman, who um, has passed away recently, but he was um, one of the the heavy like heavy researchers for this whole thing, and. Um, he was the one digging that up and found all the information that the, that the Air Force was not being honest about the whole thing. So even when they do come out with these studies that are supposed to be, you know, t- a tell-all, they, they're not telling a lot. Huh. So, like, UFO sightings, they kind of come in, come in waves, and then it slacks off, and it comes again. In, in uh, 1950, the summer of 52... There were a bunch of radar mm-hmm. and visual sightings near uh, Washington National mm-hmm. Airport in Washington, D.C., and that kind of set everything off again. Again, we know the newspapers and everything. Hey, more UFO sightings and this, that. Now, the government, they attributed that to uh, temperature inversions in the air over the city. Do you know anything? <laughs> How do you? Of course. 
Yeah. I, that just seems ridiculous yeah, to me. Of course. Temperature invasion. But, you know, and, and so, so Project Blue Book, that was, that was 52, right after that, that UFO over DC wave. And so the CIA um, reviewed Blue Book, and they released something. They had a study panel called the Robertson Panel. And yep. they said, this is what we have to do. There has to be a public education campaign to reduce public interest. This was the CIA, which was formed after Roswell, by the way. Yep. So they came out and said there has to be a public education campaign to reduce public in- interest, recommend that the National Security Council debunk UFO reports, and suggested using mass media as a way to do this. Hence, all of the, the media you know, going, oh, there's little green men again, and making anybody who wants to talk about it sound like a complete jerk. You know, that doesn't have a brain. Which is, I mean, it's genius, really, but... It is. Why? It is, and and now... I just feel like that's, like, okay, use the media. That's actually really, really smart. But why would you say temperature inversions? Like, just leave it at that. Let (laughs) let the media deal with it and, and use your disinformation. Don't throw out something dumb, like, that has nothing to do with anything. Well, I I think the Robertson report came out that said their conclusions were... 90% 90% or something like that were attributed to astronomical or meteorologic uh, phenomena or bright planets, stars, meteors, ion in the clouds, and things of that nature, or very earthly things like aircraft or balloons, birds, or searchlights maybe. But I think they, they their determination there was no obvious security threat is what they said. And that was J. Allen Hynek's um, directive as ahead of that. So, I just, I don't know. Well, they, First of all... I'm sorry? There's, to say that there are meteorological issues and bright stars over Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., I've been there. You don't see any stars at night. The light, <laughs> right. There's a lot of light pollution. So, I can see how that would be kind of like a... Mm, I don't know. Well, they, they, from what I read, it said there was no evidence to support... UFOs were extraterrestrial, and but that whole panel report was kept classified until 1979. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's if, if there's nothing. I think it's important to point out. I'm sorry. If, if there's nothing to hide, why do we keep classified reports and right. not release data for such a long? That, I mean, this is why people are suspicious, isn't it? Well, there's definitely something to hide. That's. That's, I think, what we're all learning is there's something very big to hide and I know what it is. But, you know, I wanted to say before that, that J. Allen Hynek, who was the um, in charge of the Blue Book investigation, he was a skeptic. And his directive was to debunk and use real-world phenomena to um, debunk these UFOs. And he ended up becoming one of the, the other heavies besides Stan Friedman. He said, you know what? This is nonsense. This stuff is real. I've been researching it. The, um, the Air Force doesn't want me to tell you it's real, but there's there's something here to all this. And he jumped um, sides and and went from skeptic to um, you know ufologist and an advocate. I mean, if you're <laughs> going to sit there and come out in public and say, "I I saw a UFO," people are going to look at you like, "What is?" You know what I mean? And I mean. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what Jay's saying is that disinformation that was the campaign was a disinformation campaign to intentionally make people look crazy when they come out. And it was successful because, you know, like uh, my wife, 
first and more thing on the on Facebook because oh, you're a professional, you can't do that. You're going to look silly. I mean, it was completely successful. I can disguise your voice. You're, I can disguise. Your, I can disguise your voice, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows that I'm a, <laughs> a big advocate for UFO. Rumsey's um, out of the bag. Well, and that's the what's that? Rumsey's Rumsey, out of the bag. Yes, he is. Yeah. Roswell. I had a cat named Roswell. You know, he died, but yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Poor Roswell. I remember that one. That made me super sad. Anyway, um, and well, and the sad thing is, so uh, I would like to talk about the hills, but we're not quite there yet at in the timeline of things. Well, I mean. What I, what I was going to bring up here was like possible explanations is that people will say that based off, it, it, they, they, it has to be intelligent life because they see things flying, what they describe as flying in formation or unnatural or often sudden motions or lack of sound or brightness, just strange things. So people are interpreting this as it has to be, you know, intelligent life doing this. But I mean, it is well known that the the unaided eye can play tricks on you, and and we we see this like with car accidents and things like that. That um, are we talked about this with cryptids. Yeah, we talked with and how big Mothman is. I mean, even or isn't. A, even a bright light like Venus in the night sky or the morning sky, it can appear to move. But a, a lot of these things, when people are trying to make a statement or report a fact, you're you're seeing something in a night sky with no way to reference it. So you really can't tell how far away it is. If you just do the, right. the the math, you can't really judge if it's going fast or if it's going slow or how far. I mean, it's it's hard to judge speed. It's hard to judge distance at night. And, I mean, well... this Can I jump in for a yeah, minute with this? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. so this might be a good place to talk about uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Um, they are... Mm-hmm. The f- one of the first, if not the first, abduction case that was case. recorded. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. I just can only think of Hank Hill. The, I know. Not, I was probed. Not, not like Hank Hill. Well, maybe a little bit like Hank Hill. But um, the Hills lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire in 1961 is when their abduction allegedly took place. And it's interesting to me that the Hills were a biracial couple in 1961, which... Uh, mm-hmm. I think played a huge role in them being taken seriously or not being taken seriously. So mm-hmm. for our listeners that don't know the story, um, Betty and Barney Hill were a couple that were heading back home from a vacation from Niagara Falls. And about 1030 at night, Betty saw a bright point of light in the sky that moved. Um, she said it was from below the moon and the planet Jupiter, and it moved upward. Now, to the west of the moon. Some people can say that this is a reflection in the windows or in people's eyeglasses. Okay, but then that was just the first part of things. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, first of all, she was kind of freaked out because it, it moved upward as opposed to across or downward like a shooting star would be. So, she asked Barney to pull over. They got out their binoculars, and she observed what she said was an odd-shaped craft flashing multicolored lights that traveled across the face of the moon. Barney looked at the binoculars, and he said what he thought was a commercial airliner, but then without turning, the craft rapidly descended in his direction. 
And so he realized that it, the plane was, in his words, the plane mm-hmm. was not a plane. So they got back in the car and they, and they kind of drove down this sort of desolate mountain road. And um, they, they were driving kind of slowly and they were following this thing um, that they said was somewhere between 40 and 60 feet long. And it seemed to be rotating and coming even closer to them. Eventually, um, they said that it, it descended so close to their vehicle that it was only about 80 to 100 feet above their car, and it filled the entire view of the windshield. Barney said it reminded him of a huge pancake, and he said he got out of the vehicle, walked closer to it, and using the binoculars said that he saw about 8 to 11 humanoid figures peering out of the windows, um, and... He said that he saw them, they looked to be wearing uniforms and black caps and that something mm-hmm. descended from the bottom of the craft. He ran back to the car and said, they're going to capture us. And basically, whatever this thing was started to chase them and said they heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which seemed to bounce off the trunk of the vehicle. Um, the car vibrated and then they said they re- they had sort of an altered state of consciousness. Okay. So let, yeah, me, let, me, let me interrupt. Sure. So so people, the, the problem that I see what we a lot of people have is people are going to try to relate that into things that we know and we understand, like a sound wave. Yes. But it's like I said with the DNA, th- that could be something that, technology that we just can't even comprehend right now right. that they're doing this. Okay, I won't interrupt. Go no, ahead. you're fine. Go you're on. fine. Um, and so they found out that they, um, and then there were some more beeping and buzzing sounds that kind of alerted them back to full consciousness. And they had traveled in this span of time, had traveled 35 miles, and they said they saw a fiery orb in the road. Now they got home about dawn, and what should have taken them four hours took them seven hours. They have no recollection of that lost three hours. They just lost three hours of time. Um, Barney, both of their wristwatches would never work again. Barney, the toes of his best dress shoes were scraped. Betty's dress was torn at the hem, the zipper, and the lining. She said that there was a pinkish powder on her dress that blew away in the wind when she hung her dress up to, like, outside. Um, they went outside and they found shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk. And when they passed over them with a the compass, the needle of the compass was going haywire. So they reported it to the Air Force Base, um, uh, Pease Air Force Base. And this is when Project Blue Book was going on. So the report was forwarded mm-hmm. to Project Blue Book. Ten days after the encounter, Betty started having these really vivid dreams of being abducted. And okay, both if they were having like post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. Yes. She said that um she lost she let's see, in her dream she said men surrounded the car, she lost consciousness, she um was basically forced through the forest, and the men that were um making her walk through the forest were nearly human with black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, bluish lips, and their skin was a grayish color. They walked up the ramp into the disc-shaped craft, and she said that they ran tests on her and her husband. She communicated with them. 
They spoke a language that she didn't understand, but they also spoke to her in English. Barney later on was um, put under hypnosis and basically kind of said the same things, uh, but said that he... Um, he didn't use the word telepathically, but basically that, I mean, that was the way that he, he said that they communicated with him through thought transference, um, and kept going mm-hmm. on and on and on about the aliens eyes and, and they're in my brain and that's all I can see is their eyes. And I don't under why I can't, their eyes pushed into my eyes now. Uh, okay. Is there any chance that could have been sleep? Um, that is what they say. That is what the skeptics will tell you, is that um, Barney's memories may have been influenced by an episode of The Outer Limits, the TV show The Outer Limits, which was broadcast about two weeks before his first hypnotic session. Well, uh, we're talking about sleep. Well, yeah, Yeah. and we'll get to that, too. Okay. But the episode featured an extraterrestrial with large eyes, and then they also say that... um, the, some of the motifs in their account were present in the 1953 film Invaders from Mars. They, um, skeptics say that the Hills were short on sleep and that they're basically like the poster children for not driving when you're sleep-deprived because they said that there is an aircraft warning beacon on one of the mountains where they were saying that um, they saw the UFO. And they said that from the road that they took the beacon appears and disappears at exactly the same time they described the UFO appearing and disappearing. So, and well, they, but like any chance of, of sleep paralysis? Yeah, that was another thing that we wanted to talk with you about because I know you, Jay, are yeah. like terrified hey. of the idea of sleep paralysis. Hey, if you are listening, and I mean, all we know about sleep paralysis is what we've read. If you are listening and you have ever had an experience with this, send us an email and tell us in your own words what it's about, please. Yes, because I, it sounds terrifying to me. It does. It does. Well, the Betty and Barney Hill story, um, that, that is a great one. And there's a really good book that Stanton Friedman wrote um, with uh, Betty Hill's aunt. And it's called Captured. And that's, really, that's a really good book. But, uh, did you read, happen to read anything about the star map that she drew? <clears throat> I, I did, and I also have read that that it, that it's so inaccurate and wrong, and that there there's no yeah. explanation for it. Well, a lot of these things are hoaxes, and they're known to be hoaxes. I mean, we've if you're of the right age, you went through uh, crop circles, and you know everyone knew because mm-hmm. whatever that. But it was proved that crop circles were people going out there and Friday, Saturday night in the crops and, and just having a good time. They showed the equipment how they do that. The other thing is uh, cattle mutilations. Now, mm-hmm. and we, we just watched a show tonight, and the way it's presented, like, oh, this is happening, it's happening. But there were two federal investigations about this. Now, this is you're taking the, the word at, at truth. But first off, the FBI did an investigation into cattle mutilations, and they couldn't find anything of extraterrestrial or anything out of the ordinary. And then the ATF did a um, did their own investigation, which was a little bit more thorough. But you know what? The FBI investigation was 297 pages long, and it cost about $45,000, which $45,000 to the federal government isn't a lot. 
But the ATF one, I think, kind of debunks the uh, cattle mutilation because what they found, they went out and they looked and that the cattle had been sedated and they found anti-coagulants um, in drugs in, in the cattle's blood. And they also noticed that the, the cattle were being mutilated surgically and as they went and investigated over time, that whoever was doing it was becoming more professional, more skilled at this with, you know, what, whatever the a knife, a whatever. So I think that one has kind of been debunked a little bit, too, with the cattle mutilations. I think that fits right in there with, with crop circles, because why would an alien want to come down and just mutilate our cattle or make a circle in a field? So back You know, yeah, there... Go ahead, Jim. Oh, no, I was going to say the star Sorry. map... Um, that Betty Hill drew was dismissed uh-huh. because there's there's no way that she could have known like there's she didn't know the it was a hoax like there's no way that she could have known because the the stars that she drew though were later found to be like they they are not a hoax like they actually are where she said that they were and there like there's no way that she could they, we didn't know that in in the time period that she drew these that these are stars that she there's no way that she could have known about and at the time they dismissed it like no it's it, this is nonsense well yeah i mean it makes you wonder uh, sometimes she drew a map of stars that we didn't know about yet but then when we discovered them it was accurate to what she drew the so says the story uh it's it's interesting yeah. Um, well, even like with yeah. radar sightings, which I think we tend to take a little bit more realistic or more reliable, but people will tell you that even radar sightings, it's hard for radar to pick up and differentiate, especially earlier radar to pick up and differentiate between weather phenomena, even yeah. large clouds or uh, cl- clouds, large flocks of birds flying. I just saw here a couple of weeks ago where uh, weather radar had picked up all these, uh, they call them love, bu- love bugs, or these bugs up yeah, in uh, Lake Erie yeah. that from the satellites from space were picking up like these masses of bugs flying over Lake Erie around Toledo and Cleveland. So, but, but I think we tend to think that radar is a little bit more reliable. And then if we go back, though, in history a long time, there are biblical references to... Um, to what, what some people will say are aliens. Now, some Bible scholars will debate this, but Ezekiel 1, uh, 4 through 5 says, As I looked, behold, a stormy, wind, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal. Okay, so what, I mean... Some people will take that very literally, but then some people, the Bible scholars, will say that the Bible was written and other script, they're written as visions, and visions are meant to be metaphors and symbolic. So it's... It's interesting that you bring up a biblical reference because there's another abduction that is very famous of another Betty named Betty Andreasen who um, actually... Equated her like under hypnosis, and it, I think it's interesting that a lot of this stuff comes out under hypnosis too. Um, but Betty Andreasen talked about her encounter 
with otherworldly creatures in a very, and she was highly religious. She talked about it in a very rapturous um, sort of like biblical sense of she met the one and there were, she sort of equated aliens to angels. Um, and uh-huh. it, it, it's really interesting to look at it from a religious perspective. Yeah, I mean, there, there were lots of other quotes as I was researching this that were, you know, some people were saying that aliens, or I'm sorry, that angels were aliens, and but I, we, we just don't have time in, in one hour of our life to go through that. But then, you know, there, as we look back historically, you know, some people think that the, um, the pyramids could not have been built without alien assistance. And, you know... It, Stonehenge, that somehow Stonehenge is related to aliens. Some people say Stonehenge is, you know, the Druids. But, you know, we, we just, I don't know, Jay, what do, you, what do you know about, like, going back, way, way back? Well, ancient alien um, theorists would say a profound yes. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so I think that there are pieces of art that are really, really interesting for maybe if the audience wants to Google some of these. Um, the Baptism of Christ from 1710, um, Madonna and the Child with the Infants, um, St. John from the uh, 14th century. These are, these are paintings where there's these historical, religious, historical, important things happening. UFOs in the background. Yep. And not just UFOs, but fly, going back to the, to the beginning, bringing it full circle with Ken, Kenneth Arnold's coined term, flying saucers they're the same shape so you've got this thing whatever these this shape is that people hesitate when they when they are trying to describe what they see and they say i hate to say it but it was a flying saucer and you know they almost don't want to say it for a fear of sounding ridiculous but that's what's been seen for thousands of years these are painted in religious art they're painted on cave yeah the hopi the hopi indians hopi cave drawings that you what the Kachinas, they... Italy, Mexico, yeah. North America, Africa, Tanzania. Oh, well, that's in Africa. Everywhere, Australia, from 5,000 years ago. There's one, that, there's uh, two cave paintings from Tanzania that are estimated to be up to 29,000 years old. Wow. I mean, these things have been depicted in art for so long, and that's why I was saying at the beginning of the show, I, I feel like they, they've been here since the beginning. You know, yeah. In some of these pictures, it's not just like different shaped people with different shaped heads, because we know some cultures would bind heads to, you know, elongate the skull and stuff like that. But when you have a drawing in a cave of someone that clearly looks like they're in a spacesuit and a space helmet, it's kind of hard. Well, it's hard to explain that. And even the idea of binding your head to elongate your head, where does that come from? Unless somebody has seen something that looks like right, that and exactly. they want to emulate it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, because, you know, I don't know the tribe in Africa. They they, they put the, the ones bands. The elongate their Yeah, necks. they elongate their necks. So, I mean, that, that could just be a custom that maybe, you know, that, that was a beautiful sight to have a head shaped like that. I don't know. I mean, and I'm not sitting here and I'm not going to... Be a skeptic and say anyone's wrong, but you know my own beliefs on that one are I, I kind of tend to let that one go. Mm-hmm. I I would ask I would ask somebody to look at three different pictures from three different times. 
the one, and I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about this or not, but from the, um, the, the new videos from the Navy, if you look at the gimbal video, it's called gimbal, G-I-M-B-A-L. It shows classic flying saucer that these guys are looking at. And not only does it show it, it shows the thing rotating, and the pilots are freaking out. Well, look at it. It's rotating. All right? So if you look at that a still picture from that gimbal 2015 video, right, then look at the Battle of Los Angeles from 1942. They've caught in spotlight what appears to be the exact same thing. The same thing you see in the gimbal video from 2015, you see in the spotlights in this um, Battle of Los Angeles uh, photograph from 1942. And then go back paintings and, and cave drawings that I'm talking about. You can, you can take the same shape that people are seeing, this flying saucer thing that people are seeing, and you can just walk it back through time. That makes the hairs on my arms stand up. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we just can't explain with this. <clears throat> Hey, Jake, have you ever seen anything personally in the sky that you can't explain? I have. You know, I, not for a long time. Have you? you yeah, I, I have. I mean, you know, a lot of people can look up in the sky, especially if you're away from a city or something like that in light pollution. You can see a lot of satellites moving very, very quickly across the sky, but, you know, we know what those are. But... I have seen things in the sky that I can't explain. Now, am I ready to say it's aliens? No, I'm not ready to say that yet, but I I couldn't explain it. So, I mean, I would have to classify it as a UFO because I don't know what it is. But is it extraterrestrial? I don't know. And I don't... Yeah, I, I'm I, in I, the I same boat. Yeah. Um, I, I saw something. I was coming home. I was driving on the interstate, and I looked over towards um, one of the towns that's by me, Zephyr Hills, and I saw it. It, my my mind the first went to like an airplane dragging one of those rectangular signs because that's the only thing that I could associate that I was seeing. But as I'm looking at it, it, it was like no, that, that thing is huge. Whatever I'm seeing is huge, and it looked like a. All I could say was that it was it looked like a gigantic gray rectangular prism floating over the city. It was bizarre. And I just thought, when I was driving, I just thought, you know, my other plane trips on me. Even as, as much as I am into the subject, I didn't go there. You know, I didn't go, oh, that's a UFO. I just thought it's something that I just can't figure out. Well, I get home, I get on Facebook, and one of my buddies, teacher friends, um, says on Facebook, so did anybody see the flying square over Zephyr Hills today? And I just freaked out. I thought, yes, I did. And that's exactly what it was. It was a flying rectangular prism. And nobody else, I researched, I looked all over the place, nobody else said anything about this thing. And you'd think that thousands of people would have yeah. said, what was this thing? But it was just me and one other person that I happened to know that saw it. So that was my one. And then something else I saw over Zephyr Hills once before, and I kind of followed it for a while because I thought it was so strange. But, uh, you know, again, was it, was I going to say that it was alien? I don't know, just something that I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, well, Kim and I were driving someplace today, and we saw something in the sky, and it was a long way away, and Kim's like, what is that? What is that? And, you know, and we've got UFO on our minds because we've been talking <laughs> yeah, about this all show. day. But then I said, you know what, that looks like... Because it didn't it, look like an airplane. It wasn't. It was a helicopter. It was a helicopter. Yeah. It was very pointy and very shiny. And it wasn't until it got a little bit closer. Light, but I mean, we didn't see any lights or anything like that flashing, but... You know, from a distance, it was just low and moving fast. So, you know, I can understand how some people will see something 
and they can't readily identify it, so I, you don't know what it is. The, mm-hmm. the things that get me are not like seeing UFOs. It's the experience, like the abduction experiences that people have. I have a, a yeah, those are so freaky. I have a very, very good friend who has told the story numerous times. Tells it the same way every time. When she was a kid, um, she spiked a fever really, really badly. And her mom says that it was just a fever dream and that it was nothing. But she had a dream that she was, that somebody like took her out of her bed and, and put something in her ear. And that's all, like, that was the dream was that somebody put something in her ear years later when, I mean, that happened when she was like six or seven years later when she was like middle school or high school, she had, was having really, really bad headaches and there, her parents took her to the doctor. They did scans and they found something inside of her ear and they, they, I don't remember if she said they took it out or they didn't take it out, but they couldn't explain it. It was nothing that the doctors had ever seen before. It was like metal and it was, they had no idea what it was. It was nothing that they had ever seen. It was not made of a material that they were familiar with. Um, and she has always had, you can be riding with her in the car and it's just weird. Like at nighttime, she'll be driving down the street and like lights will change color. Like the lights will go off as she's driving like the street lights will go off. I've seen huh. it happen myself. Like street lights will go off. Um, okay, just street weird light, things. Street lights go off and they come back on. But it always happens consistently. Always when she's when she goes somewhere, just weird, weird electrical things happen when she's around. Was she yeah, taken yeah, when she was that's little? A typical I don't know, abduction but, scenario. Yeah, yeah, just weird stuff happens. With, with the, with the thing that they found in her, you know, that's um, was a doctor doing um, extractions, and I can't think of his name right now. He he died too, but um, he was doing he was working on uh, abduction patients and pulling and, and and operating on them and pulling these pieces of metal, and they would do tests on it. And again, they they were like, we don't know what this is or why it's there or why the the skin and the tissue was reacting or not reacting the way that it should have. I mean, it's bizarre and it's. To me, the abduction thing is the scariest part of this whole thing. It literally, it's like one of those things where if I'm watching something or reading something about it at night, I have to like jump up and turn on the light before like the aliens get me. It, <laughs> it freaks me out more than anything in the world. Um, because I, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. Freddy Krueger doesn't freak me out. He's not real. <laughs> but this stuff is like really happening. I mean, it's, and, and, and if, it's not just like two or three people, like all these people are sharing the same scenarios and very similar. And there's just, when there's, when there's evidence to back up, you know, follow the evidence, you know, when there's, when they're finding things in them that are strange or when, you know, Betty Hill is able to depict a map that's not even discovered, things like that. Like those are the cases that really um, turn me on. And Travis Walton's another one, the fire in the sky guy mm-hmm. who um, was abducted and, he and all, all like four or five of the um, of, of his worker buddies um, passed multiple lie detector tests. You know, hey, and he's uh, one of if, the guys. If, missing. If 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 Bernie gets elected, Bernie's he's, gonna he's Bernie's gonna, gonna tell, tell us all. what's going on. But Travis Walton, 
<laughs> That's the interesting thing. And it's people like, okay, Betty Hill, maybe eventually Betty Hill was even by the ufologist was like, uh, she, I don't know. She's gone crackers, but you get guys like Mac Brazell, mm-hmm. guys like, um, that just, they're like manly men. You know what I mean? Like guys, loggers. Right, right. Yeah. Like right. they're guys that would not. I'm thinking Letter Kenny. Yeah. Who's the <laughs> toughest guy in Letter Kenny? Um, yeah. They're guys, Travis Walton, Mac Brazell. These are not like weird guys, for lack of a better term. They're like super manly men that are loggers and ranchers and people yeah. that would. They don't and, make and up why stuff would like they this. Want to... Right. And, and why, it's, why would they want to attract all this attention? These are people that are not attention seekers. Right. Not at all. Yeah. Well, you how, know, how a much, lot of them say they wish they would have never said anything. Yeah. How much of this stuff, though, is really the government using to, you know, using the news and the media and stuff to cover up, like, top secret projects and experimental aircraft? I'm sure that's a part of it, too. I mean, they may as well jump on the bandwagon well, yeah, and use I'm it. I'm sure some of it is. Yeah. For sure. And that's that's what a lot of people are kind of um, wondering about this new this uh, new thing with Luis Elizondo and the whole um, uh, To the Stars Academy for Arts and Science and the ATIP thing. That's, that's what a lot of people are saying was, like, can it be, um, you know, experimental government or, you know, Air Force, Army, Air Force stuff. But to me, when you're seeing things that look, like the same thing that was in the sky in 1942, I would say, no, I don't think that those things are because they've been around too long. It's 1942. We're seeing the same thing that we're seeing in those gimbal videos. I think that's, but then you could almost, but you could almost flip that argument on its head though, and use it in the opposite way that if people in the 14th century are seeing the same things that people are seeing the 21st century, like couldn't the aliens have redesigned, you know what I mean? Like, don't they have updated, more stealthy mm-hmm. designs in all of these centuries? <laughs> like, couldn't they make Maybe technological improvements? Traveling. That's true. I didn't really think about that. They that adds a whole other dimension if they're time traveling. Yeah, I mean, well, and that dimension, uh, no pun intended, right? If yeah. space and time is, are the same, are the same thing. And if um, Bob Lazar, the whistleblower from Area Fifty One, if, if he is correct, and they're using anti gravity to fold space and time, if you think about it, if they had this this craft that they're working in and you know they're scouts for their planet and they've come and found our planet and they're able to, to fold space and time maybe that same craft is jumping in in 1942 jumping in in 2015 jumping in in the 1700s jumping in in um, 10,000 BC so it's not that they haven't um, uh, progressed in their technology it's that they're using the same thing just same, jumping yeah. at different points in, in our timeline that's an excellent point well, why would the government <laughs> need to cover up aliens or extraterrestrial visits? Why, why would they need to do this? Um, uh, some people say that because there would be a complete societal breakdown, you know, like people would start questioning religion and um, economic systems and would fail. And, you know, our need for gas, gasoline and, and fossil fuels would be um, gone and, it's just it would be a complete paradigm shift that would turn everything upside down. Not to mention everything that we've been taught and learned is kind of like well, not so much now. And it's almost like how do you? It's almost like restarting in a way. Or B, because it's too damn strange and they, they don't know how to tell people, you know, 
what's yeah, going like, on. You can't handle the truth. Almost, really, because like, right. how do you like, how do you reconcile that with your limited? Son, son, we live in a world with aliens. I know, right? Like, especially I think in American <clears throat> culture, where we like to tend to think that we are the biggest and the baddest, and suddenly we're not the toughest kid on the block anymore. We're not even the toughest kid on the planet. We're not even the toughest kid in the solar system. Like, we're nothing. With these guys are so far yeah. beyond what we are. Not to mention, not to mention that we can't get along with each other. Right. I mean, we can't get along with people in our same city, much less countries. And, and then now you got to throw another world into it. Yeah. And and you know. It's hey Jay, in our in, in our know. last few minutes that we have here, what revelations you know with the, the was it the Navy videos that came out where people are, are the Navy the government's admitting this. What revelations have you picked up out of this? Um, that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What's the uh, the report? Was it a report that was released, or just videos or files? What What's this all about? All of the above. So, in in um, on December sixteenth, two thousand seventeen. Um, they came out and said, look, there was this program called ATIP. Um, we had $22 million in funding by um, uh, Robert Bigelow, and uh, it began in the, the Defense Intelligence Agency. It was started by Senator Harry Reid, headed by Louis, a guy named Louisa Elizondo, who he is the one who resigned to protest government secrecy because um, he felt that after um, – and this is, this is all, you know, headline news um, – he said, people need to know what I've been discovering in this ATIP program. And they wouldn't release it. He said, well, then I quit. So he teamed up with, um, oddly enough, Tom DeLong, who was the um, lead singer for Blink-182. And um, Tom DeLong started this company called To The Stars Academy for Arts and Science. And he hired this team of, like, former CIA guys, um, former um, employees with Lockheed and Skunk Works, uh, research scientists. Um, Department of Defense people, all these huge, um, you know, names he, he hired for this team. And now they're, they're the ones that they're the reasons why you start to see these videos being released. And then maybe says, uh, yeah, those videos are real. You weren't supposed to see them, but yes, they're real. Um, then the Navy comes out with a new um, way to uh, report uh, UFOs. I mean, it's, it's been like a, um, just like a drip feed since 2017 since this all started happening and um it, it's just it's just been crazy and then they find out that some of the things that the, um, these people were studying through a freedom of information um release were traversable wormholes stargates negative energy invisibility cloaking anti-gravity manipulation of extra dimensions i mean the craziest things that these people are studying why if these if these things that they're seeing are nothing but um you know, uh, black programs or ex experimental armed, um, Air Force crafts, why in the world are they then looking up traversable wormholes and warp drive and dark energy and all this other stuff? It's just mm. too much. It's too much of a coincidence to just say, eh, it's nothing. It's something. Huh. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, that, that's a lot to, what it is. that's a lot to take in. And I don't know. It what is. And I kind of, I was, rushing in my speech here because I don't I'm not sure how much time we have left but I did to get it in and it's it's just so interesting how it's been unfolding the last um couple of years. <clears throat> and so what what's the next step, I wonder? And, and well apparently this 
these people, this, um, they have, uh, unbelievable as it is, they have material from some of these UFOs and they're studying it. And they're, they're calling it meta materials. And they're saying that it's this crazy metal that nobody knows what it is. Um, the last thing I just saw on it, um, they think that there's some kind of like, the, the metal actually is like able to hold like information. And that sounds crazy, but then you look at some of the things they were studying. One of the things that they were studying that was released, uh, DIA released, this 38 um, research titles, one of the things was programmable matter. Oh, so wow. it's fitting with exactly what these people are saying that, they're, that, they're, that they found. It's crazy. It's absolutely lunacy. My I'm question is waiting you know, for them to equate it to adamantium. To, I'm sorry, to equate it to... Adamantium, which is, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the name of the chem... Or the, there you go, using big words at the me material, again. The material, no, back in... Yeah, you threw me off. <laughs> so the theory is, who was it? Homer, Plato, one of the... What, Socrates, maybe? One of the ancient, ancient Greek philosophers went to... Mm-hmm. Um, claimed to have visited Atlantis and had an experienced a metal that they had there that was nowhere else on earth. He had never seen it before. He had never heard of it before, but the Atlanteans had it. It was all over Atlantis. Um, it affected everything. Like it, it sounds like that. Like it was a metal. It was, it was just a very like shiny, weird metal. And then, you know, supposedly Atlantis sank and it, and I mean, that's a whole other show in the Bimini Triangle and the Bimini Road mm-hmm. and the Bermuda Triangle and all that. But, but wouldn't surprise me if it was somehow linked. Hmm. Okay. Jay? Are we at an li- hour? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yes, we're running up on an hour. <laughs> Jay, any, um, your music, your song, again, how can people get to that and listen to it, which we, an hour of your life, highly recommend listening Absolutely. to this album. How, how can we get there again? Oh, shucks. <laughs> Thanks. It's um, on all digital platforms, Amazon, um, Spotify. You can even look it up on YouTube. Strange, it's, it would be Strange Creatures, Estimate of the Situation of the album. Um, it's it's steeped in UFO folklore. Um, I kind of have that theme running throughout the album. But, uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm proud of it. I, I was just a little drummer before, and then I stepped up and said, you know what, I want to write my own songs, and I'm going to make them about aliens and all kinds of cool things. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty really unique stuff, album. and I know how you recorded this, and it's really it, it's amazing what you can do <laughs> or what you did. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, so, look. Like with a lot of shows, we're not going to come out and say, nah, that's not true. This isn't true or anything like that. But what I will say is here, be careful about the sensational. Sens- what am I saying, Kim? Sensationalism? Yeah, that. Like <laughs> these TV shows that, that you're watching because they're leaving off facts. And so, look, there's stuff out there that we can't explain. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that there is not extraterrestrial life out there. But I'm just saying that there are hoaxes. There are... People are making money off the oh, TV, absolutely. off the TV shows and stuff like that. So, like always, do, do your, your own research. research and come up with your own yeah. conclusions like that. Like Jay has put in years and years and years to come up with his opinions and his conclusions like that. And he's not getting it by watching 
the, ancient the aliens. TV. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, really <laughs> evaluate the credibility of your sources. Seriously, do your own research. This stuff is Absolutely. out there. But evaluate the credibility of your sources. We'll maybe do a show on that. One yeah. Day. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I'll put on my teacher hat one day. Um, but yeah, really look at who's. Well, it's true because there's. Yeah, there's there's so many that are that come from you know high ranking um, officials and um, generals and and pilots and and pe- people that are you know they're not just they're not just saying this for for attention they're 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 trying to communicate something that they feel is important people on their deathbeds coming out saying you know what this was real you know that's so so I would agree with that do your own research um, look for credible sources. And it's, you know, if you have any questions, hit me up. Yeah, absolutely. If you would like to uh, reach out to us, it's alosthour at gmail.com. If you have any questions for Jay, I will be happy to forward those on to him and we can address them on future episodes. Yep. This has been a really fun episode to do. And next week we will be wrapping up Spooky October. Spooky October with the history of Halloween. Yeah, and then we're going to move on to some other topics. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay, Kim. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Yep. Kim, how do people get hold of us? Um, Again, it's alosthour at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. If you want a sticker, I still have 50 of them left, so send me a message and I'll send you a sticker. Yep, those uh, stickers have been going. Hey, look, if you really want to help us out, because some people, like I said last week, are asking hey, how can we help your podcast? The best thing you can do is listen to it, leave us a good review. If you don't want to leave a good review... Just don't... If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Don't say anything at all. And uh, leave leave us a review and share. Share. um, Follow us. So subscribe, like, review, do all of the nice things that you can do. All right. Jay, (sighs) again, thanks for being with us tonight on An Hour of Your Life. So you didn't use your tagline. Oh, from the beautiful studio, <laughs> from the beautiful studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. <laughs> <laughs>